0: Anyway, um, good morning, really, really lovely um, to have the opportunity to speak to you this morning um, about something, uh, I've been talking to God a lot over lockdown about um, the fact that he's asked me to sometimes speak, and and how I only ever want to speak about something that I've learned, you know, I think the scripture stands, and there's a lot in scripture I haven't learned, but um, some of what I'm going to talk about comes from a place of very much coming to the end of myself, uh, which is when God is um, most present. My earring. I oh, you know what? I'm sure you can manage to look at me without the beautification of earrings, right? So I'll just take that out. No, <laughs> <coughs> that makes it easier. Here we go. How's that? You just have to look at my good side. <laughs> Uh, while Adam's doing this, you could turn to Romans 8 in your Bibles. Um, I'm actually not going to put it up on the screen that, um, at this point. I'm reading quite a, quite a big chunk. So if you turn to your own copy or if you've got um, a phone, you can look up Romans 8 uh, on your phone. Um, this is a, a scarily, massively important chapter in the Bible, which I have avoided in the past because it's got so much in it. But... Uh, that it's great because there is so much in it, so there is so much to say, and, uh, and we're going we're to start, anyway, uh, looking at Romans 8. Um, and I'm going to read quite a long section, as I say, about half a chapter, so here we go. You ready? Yeah. So, now, looking back at chapter 7, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So, Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by the sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by that same Spirit living in you. Okay, so that's where we're going to stop our, our section today. I would encourage you, you can read Romans 8 every day for a year and you'll get something from it. So, um, so welcome back to our Holy Spirit series, which we started last week. Um, along with Christians all over the world, um, we believe that God sent his supernatural spirit to us in Pentecost, at Pentecost and that this same spirit lives within us every day. Every single person who has accepted Jesus has this Holy Spirit. Um, But this morning, we're going to talk about what it means to let the Holy Spirit control you. Have you ever wondered what that means? What does it mean to let the Spirit control you? How can we pursue it, um, pursue the the control of the Holy Spirit? How can we do it? What does it actually mean to to follow the Holy Spirit? Um, And how can we renew it? when we have failed. Um, what does it mean to let the Holy Spirit control your mind and therefore your life? Um, but first, a word about control. Um, I have absolute proof that Bill Gates does not control us through the COVID vaccine. Okay? He is sitting in the front row. My husband, Adam, had the vaccine a month ago, and he still hates Microsoft Teams. Okay, yeah, no, that really didn't get laughed, laugh, did it? But never mind. There aren't many jokes today, so I thought I'd crank one in there. Okay. (laughs) Do you want another joke? No, you want the word, don't you? No, you want a joke. Okay. So I asked Adam, uh, you're not supposed to say it's a joke when it is a joke. Anyway, um, when I get irritable and unreasonable, like that never happens, really it does, uh, Adam remains calm and he doesn't react. So I asked him why. How on earth does he maintain control? And he said to me, oh, I just go and clean the toilet. And I was, you know, very impressed. So I said, well, how does that help? And he said, I use your toothbrush. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) See, that one went better. (laughs) Okay, I'll be here all week. Don't forget to tip your waiter. (laughs) Um, So today we're looking into Romans 8. um, And we're going to look particularly at verses 5 to 9. Um, and I'll I put those up on the, on the screen. Um, so this section, which we've already heard within a larger context, but now we're going to focus in on. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. But the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. And that's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by the sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit of God if you have the Spirit of God living in you. So what I want us to think about this morning is how, what does it actually mean to let yourself be controlled by the Spirit? At first glance at this scripture, we can see that it's a good thing. In verse 6, it says, letting the Spirit uh, control your mind leads to life and peace. Those are good things. Yes, we want them. Yes, please, to life and peace. Um, And we can also see at a glance that it's a real thing. It says in verse 9, you are controlled by the Holy Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Um, and just in case you're not sure whether you have the Spirit living in you, it says in Acts 2:38 um, that all Christians, everyone who repents, who turns back to God and accepts His love and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, becomes baptized, their sins are forgiven, and it says, "And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." But there seems to be a sort of paradox. You are controlled by the Holy Spirit and you need to let yourself be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Do you see that kind of gap? Um, And even let yourself be controlled by the Holy Spirit doesn't appear to make sense, because if I let you control me, then you're not really controlling me. And if you control me, then the opportunity to let you seems to have gone, right? What does it mean to let yourself be controlled by the Holy Spirit? Until we remember that we are not dealing with a human being. We are dealing with God. And God is different and higher and better than anyone you have ever met. And in fact, he is different and higher and better than the sum total of goodness and height and betterness. The whole lot of everyone you've ever met, he is better than that. Um, But it can be hard to let go of our human experience of control and letting, right? Um, And remember that God is good. His goodness is a gooder kind of goodness than than the best goodness we can dream of or experience. He is higher and better. But let's start by looking at some of the things that do get in our way, our human experiences, um, our attitudes and our assumptions um, that really do affect our willingness to allow ourselves to be controlled. Um, Why are we so resistant to the very idea of control? And I'm sure you can think of a hundred reasons and experiences why that is. Um, So we're going to have a look at that. Um, Then we're going to look at some practicalities um, around how to let the Holy Spirit um, control us in the right way, safely, because he is God. Um, And then we're going to go back to our Sunday lunches. Yes? After that. Um, And our jobs and our schools, better able to live that life that pleases him, which is our ultimate aim, and with the promised life and peace that he has said we have. So, sound good? Yes? This is what we're going to do. So, oops. There we go. Human control. Right. So, first of all, we're going to look at our understanding of what control means. Because... The human understanding of control is what Paul is referring to in Romans 8 when he talks about the sinful nature or the flesh. We would say human. We would say, oh, everyone is fine, everyone's good, but actually the Bible is quite clear. We are not fine and we are not good. Um, Our human understanding and our desires, though created good um, in the the Garden of Eden, have been warped by sin, and they are now polluted to a greater or later measure We are messed up. Our desires are untrustworthy Um, and this untrustworthy human experience of control can be something coming from the outside in or even from inside. Um, So, this outer control tends to subjugate others. Yes, it tends to dominate their desires, uh, using rules. There are rewards if you do the right thing. There are punishments if you don't do the right thing. Um, And this outer control can be driven by quite well-meaning ambition to stop ourselves, to stop us from doing the wrong thing and making decisions that would harm us. Um, But it can also be driven by selfish ambition to benefit the rule makers. Um, But. Whether it is for a good reason or bad reason, it's pretty universal that the ones who are exerting control over others want that control, and the ones who are experiencing that feeling of being controlled don't want it. Yes, the more someone wants to control us, the less we feel like being controlled. Yes, we just don't want it and we resist it. And anyone who has been a teenager knows this, right? Um, The teen years are fabulous and important. Mine were a complete breeze, weren't they? My mum and dad are here. They will vouch for me. No bumps in the road. Just, I woke up one morning and I was a fully matured adult. Yes, completely, completely fine. (laughs) And my sister is also smiling. Riley, behind her mask, I'm sure. Actually, she's looking down. She can't even meet my eye. (laughs) Such a big fat lie. (laughs) Um, But joking aside, the teen years move us from parent control to, scary as it may seem, teen control. Yes, it's, it's got to happen. Um, the parent uh, often experiences a set of bumpy ride, but so does the teen. You know, so the parent will say something like this. You have been promising to take the bins out all week. Your homework is piling up. Your room looks like a bomb site. You can see that expression just runs off the tongue for me. Um, and you will have a shower now. And what does the teen answer? Thank you, controlling parent. My self-control wasn't fully fully formed yet, so I just thank you for stepping in where my maturity is lacking. You know, um, please be assured this is never going to happen again, and I appreciate you stepping in and controlling me. No, no, you don't say that, do you? Do you ever, Trevor? Yes, you just don't. It's more like this: huh. you don't control me. I was going to go and do it anyway. Yes, <laughs> which basically means you are never going to control me again. Um, and then COVID compliance. Here's a whole can of, can of worms which we've all wrestled with in the last year. Uh, maybe you were one of these people who followed the letter of the law, but not a millimeter beyond, yes? Last Monday, when, the, when everything got relaxed a little bit, you were chasing down people to hug, and anyone who could out-sprint got a hug from you. Um, or maybe you were someone who wants to absorb the spirit of the law. You understand that there are risks, but you want the right to be able to make your own decisions. You will exercise caution, and even beyond that, when you think that the risks are genuine. But if you think that this particular situation doesn't quite fit the rule for which it was made, you'll kind of budget a little bit, yes? Or maybe you were someone who rebelled against the very idea that the government would make these blunt laws And that they would trump our personal freedom so so spectacularly. Um, But whichever camp you fit into, we've probably all got a keener sense of where we stand in relation to that outer control. And we've probably compared ourselves to our friends and neighbours and justified our own position, right? Outer control. But there is another kind of control um, that is also human, and that is inner control, Um, and inner control is that sort of deep-rooted inner conflict in which you choose which of your desires is going to control your mind and therefore your actions, and um, it's like you've got this menu of desires in your mind that you must choose from. Number 76, sweet and sour, do I take exercise now or do I stay in bed? Yes, you've got to choose from this menu of desires many, many times every day. You know, shall I walk in the rain, which is good for me, or shall I take the car, which is more ecological and expensive, but actually will save me some time? Um, Shall I do my homework and get it done? or should I rest now and I'll be in a better frame of mind to do it well a little bit later? Um, shall I submit all my forms correctly? Uh, feel the pleasure, job well done, no one is ever going to hassle me about that form anymore. Or shall I just stick it to the man and just you know, do a little bit and fill out some sections or, or not? So many variables every day. Do we take the high road as we perceive it, the low road, or, or kind of actually the kind of undulating road From moment to moment, do I load the dishwasher properly and avoid an argument with Adam, or do I shove it all in and save some valuable minutes? We'll take a vote on that later. (laughs) Ultimately, it comes down to which of your desires you desire most. Yeah? I want to be healthy, I want to be comfortable, I want a peaceful home, I want to save time, I want to feel virtuous, I want to be better off, I want to stick it to the man, I want, I want, I want. And some of these desires might be admirable, some may be selfish or ignorant or even vengeful. Um, Some may be all about looking after the people that you care for the most, but they are All, all, say all, all, evaluated subjectively by a fallible human being, you or me. Yes, they are all, according to today's scripture, hostile to God. This flesh, sinful human nature without God is imperfect and flawed in one way or the other. It cannot bend to God's law and it never will. It can't. Before someone becomes a Christian, all they have is this menu of desires to choose from. Uh, Desires which battle against each other within themselves and also um, against outer control. And Romans isn't about whether it's your boss or your parent or the law of the land that controls you or whether you control you, your inner self. Yes, in fact... Neither of those things can lead to life and peace. There is another option. And it's in Romans 8, where it says, let the Spirit control you. Being controlled by the Holy Spirit is another realistic option. And it occurs within your very self, along with that jumble of personal desires, you have this other being living within you, the spirit of the good God. It's not realistic in our own weakness or even in our own strength. It's realistic because of God's spirit. Um, Human control is flawed. I've said a lot about that. The spirit's control is God's control. God is perfectly good with a gooder goodness than the best goodness you can imagine or dream. So I say, let's aim for that. Yeah? I say, let's aim for that. And maybe you do too, but then we have to ask ourselves how. So if in principle we think, I don't want to rely on outer control and my own inner desires, I want to rely on the spirit's control, how do we do that? And the first first starts with remembering what we are good at. Okay, We are experts in letting one thing control us over another. Um, If we think it will benefit us, we can choose fitness over laziness or comfort. Uh, We can choose to do it now rather than to do it later, or to do it later rather than to do it now. Um, chocolate or salad is a bit more tricky, but before you um, uh, accuse yourself of making the occasional bad choice, remember you make f- numerically far more good choices um, than bad ones. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sat in this room. You wouldn't have got yourself to church. You wouldn't be surrounded by people that like you, and you wouldn't be wearing matching socks. Just checking my family across the front row. Yes, they are wearing matching socks. Um, but we are great at this. We can choose one thing over the other, another. Um, if we think it will benefit us. So what we need to do is to trust, realize, embrace that the most beneficial controlling influence over us is the Holy Spirit. And so for the remainder of our time, um, I would like to suggest a sort of useful strategy, a way of helping us in the moment of every day when you're just about to do this or that or the other, Um, or you're in the middle of a situation, how can you let the Holy Spirit control you? And it goes like this. Pursue it. Do it. Renew it. 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 It rhymes so that you can remember it. See if you can turn away from the screen. Say it to the person next to you um, and see if you can remember it in that length of time. (laughs) Go on on then, Daniel. (laughs) Okay, got that. Yes, now you're saying you want to go for lunch, but I am going to talk a little bit more. So I'm going to talk first of all about pursue it. Um, I thought that this sentence was quite profound, so I'm going to read it to you. You will be controlled by the Holy Spirit when you want to be. No? When you pursue his control rather than resist it, because he is there, he is here, he is with us. In my experience, this pursuing is is just a matter of being willing. It's not super spiritual. Um, And it starts with a prayer or even an attitude of prayer that just says, God, I want to want what you want more than what I want. Yeah? Um, Because I trust you more than I trust me. I want you to be the controlling influence in my life. And confession time. I think I've often been guilty of only wanting the Holy Spirit to control me if my own efforts have failed. Because you see, I want to try. I want to triumph. I want to be the winner. I want the glory. I want to feel good about me. But we all know, don't we, that um, from the moment that we knew that we belonged to God, that that was never the deal. It was never gonna be about our own righteousness, only his. Um, The reality is that Jesus has triumphed, past tense, he has done it. And I got chosen to be on his winning team. Um, My part of this divine equation is only just to accept, accept what he has done. Here is a mathematical equation. It has been cranked and shoehorned into this morning's talk in honor of my dad, who is a mathematician. Sadly, I am not a mathematician. He is most sad about that, but you know. Um, I do not understand everything that is on the left of this equation. Um, the eight on its side, anyone remember what that's? Infinity, great. And then the thing that looks like Stonehenge? Hi, right. And if anyone can actually read that like aloud, I tried at home and I failed completely. Um, it, it's, it's, it's tricky. <laughs> um, and I don't understand everything that is on the right. But I do understand, on the left, sorry, but I do understand what's on the right. Because it's one. It's, it, it's simple. Uh, and here's the issue. So often, when it comes to sin, we think that our part is the complicated part on the left. Um, and that God is somehow simply and gloriously aloof on the on the left. You know, I am one, and He is one, um, and God is actually not simple. He is gloriously complex. Um, what He is doing in us is the incredibly complex, unfathomable, miraculous part on the left, and all we can do is the simple part on the right, one. I am one, I am your one. It's all we can do, just accept it. And I have, um, in recent months, discovered a a very painful truth, which is that my own efforts in the areas where I most need uh, to improve are only ever gonna be part success and part failure. My efforts are not enough, however hard I try, to break through in the areas of sin and failure where I most need a breakthrough. Uh, And I bet it's the same for you. Think about it. What is the aspect of your life where you know that you fail to please God or reach his standard time and time and time again? You want to do the right thing and you try and you try and you pray and you know what you should do in principle, but so far you haven't, triumphed Um, and maybe you've even had some successes. You know, you've tried a new strategy and for a moment you didn't fail where previously you had or you managed to do something which previously you found difficult to do and you you have this moment of, yes, I have a moment of success until the next time that a similar situation occurs and you don't. Um, And what I've realized recently is that these momentary or partial successes are actually worse for my walk with the spirit than my failures because they keep me hopeful that one day if I just try harder, if I just keep at it, I can do it myself. And what I've discovered is that my own strengths and competencies are actually a distraction from putting my hope in the one and only place that will make any difference and that is the control of the Holy Spirit. Pursuing the control of the Holy Spirit means that we give up on our track record of failures and we give up on any hope that we can solve our sinful nature ourselves. We give up. We turn our back on all that and we pursue the Holy Spirit's control. So that's pursue it which leads us to do it. Pursue it, do it. Well done. (laughs) What does it mean to actually do it? Um, To let the Holy Spirit means, to let the Holy Spirit control us means to do what seems right, even when it doesn't sit well with your other desires. Yes? You think, I feel like I should do that, but it doesn't quite make sense because actually, what about this? What about that? And that generally is is the Holy Spirit. And actually, if if you've hung around Pentecostals or Charismatics much, you might have heard stories where the Holy Spirit invites the believer to do something pretty weird. Yes, pretty freakish and out of the ordinary. And I don't have anything against God doing whatever he wants. And he certainly doesn't feel the need to consult with me. Um, In fact, I've got a fair few stories of of that uh, myself, of of God... Um asking me to do something that seems very strange. So um, I'm happy to share one with you if you would like. Yes, I'm getting nods. Okay. Um, so uh, JJ was in intensive care. He was very small. Uh, and he had open heart surgery booked for the next morning. And God awoke me in the night and he told me, I want you to get out of bed and I want you to jump on the devil's head as a prophetic action, intercede for your son. He said, Satan has a plan to steal his life. Your prayers and your prophetic action are going to crush his plans to the dust. So I got up and I stamped um, and I prayed and I stamped and I prayed and I called out to God for about an hour. And after an hour, I just felt this indescribable peace descend. And I was able to get back into bed with this sense. It had been accomplished according to God's prophetic word in me. And I got back into bed with this incredible gratitude that all would be well. And JJ did have successful surgery, and he recovered well, and he played drums this morning, like 18, 19 years on. I mean, amazing. Okay. And now I have to apologize. I felt really bad about telling the story that way because the actual version isn't very much like that. Okay, have a listen to this. JJ was in intensive care and he did have open heart surgery booked. But this is how it went. I was lying in bed and I couldn't sleep even though I was shattered, and I began to think that God was telling me to get out of bed and, oddly, jump around a bit. And it made no sense. So I asked him, "Is this? Is this the fact I'm sleep-deprived? The fact that my nerves are in shreds? uh, My baby might die tomorrow. You know, a, a very big deal." I didn't have any interpretation. Like, what could it mean? And he didn't confirm it to me by saying, "Yes, I want you to do this." I just had this sense I should get out of bed and jump around. And so I did get out of bed, trying not to wake Adam. Not because I was being considerate, but because I was really embarrassed and I was lacking conviction. And so I started to jump, like, really quietly, trying not to wake up the people in the room below. We were staying at Ronald McDonald House. And um, I was aware as I was jumping, I was thinking, there's a story in the Bible of... um, a king who's supposed to hit some arrows on a windowsill and he didn't hit them enough and so God's prophetic word didn't come true and God forbid that I would not jump enough and that JJ would lose his life as a result. So eventually Adam wakes up and goes, what are you doing? And I go, nothing, go back to sleep. And I get back into bed, cold, baffled. And the next day JJ had his surgery and it did go quite well and I've got no idea if it was the jumping. That was how it actually went. And... I'm still somewhat baffled by that particular um, bit and I still don't know whether it was quite my brain or not but I have prayed about it and I do sense that God can do a lot with blind obedience, right? If you think he's telling you to do something, why not do it? If it doesn't go against his word and his nature, why not do it? Um, And uh, I've got some probably more... um, obvious success stories. There was the time when um, I felt God asked me to walk up to a woman and give her a bar of soap. Um, So I didn't know this woman at all. Uh, I walked up to her, didn't say anything, gave her a bar of soap. She was very angry with me, actually. She said, what are you doing? Is that for me? And I said, yes, I'm so sorry. I think the Holy Spirit's asking me to give you this. Um, And she said, well, I don't know why. Um, And then she started to cry. And she cried and cried and cried. And she started to share what it had meant to her that she'd had an affair many years ago and she had, it was well over and she, had, she regretted it and she hurt it and she just felt like she couldn't, she couldn't be a follower of Jesus because she had this thing in her past and yet the Holy Spirit was reaching out and telling her that she was clean in his sight and that he had done that. You know, it's, um, it's a better story, huh, than the jumping. But if blind obedience is of value, then actually the jumping story is better. Um, Trusting God to control us means that we don't need to know why. Um, Both the stories are are a bit weird, the the jumping and the soap. Um, But actually, my experience, I'm sure yours too, of walking in the spirit is... But more often than not, it's not weird what the Holy Spirit asks us to do to anyone apart from ourselves. Yes, when, when he asks us to do something, it's a case of doing something that's weird in the sense that it's different to what you would normally do. Um, you sense that the Holy Spirit's asking you to do something, and you can immediately see, this is not my normal behavior. Um, like the time I had a, a child that was being really difficult, And I was really struggling with this child. And we were brushing heads quite a bit. And they were off at school. I knew that they were coming back. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to tell them that they've done this and it's really not right. And I'm going to have to put it right and say, your attitude is no good. Holy Spirit, help me, I said. And you know what Holy Spirit said? Give the kid a chocolate biscuit. (laughs) Like, what is that about? This kid deserved a mouthful from me. But what does the Holy Spirit say? Give the kid a chocolate biscuit. And um, it's hard. It's no less freaky than the, if you like, the unusual things. Um, but often I've, I've realized that these, these, um, these acts of obedience to God are characterized by what's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says in, in Galatians 5, um, the acts of flesh are obvious, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, having a go at your child, um, and the like. Um, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh along with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So often, pursue it followed by do it is characterized by these fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's holding my tongue when I want to say my piece or speaking up when I'd rather stay quiet and it's giving a kid a chocolate biscuit. It's gentleness and peace and joy and kindness. And what a surprise, God is good for his promises. It is life and peace. Not to say that it's easy. Come on guys, this is Fru Bird holding her tongue. Yes, James calls this, what is it? uh, He calls this a world of evil in my mouth every day. But the Holy Spirit controlled behavior will battle against those other evil desires, laziness, pride, selfishness. Um, And it's hard swimming against the tide of your own desires, but we can do it. We are on the winning swimming team, yes? We are swimming upstream against our own desires with his spirit burning in our hearts. Pursue it and do it. Um, And sometimes we will fail. We all do to err as human. And the last part of this strategy um, is most important because without it, you'll realize pretty quickly that the first two parts don't work. Um, Certainly by the end of today and possibly before you even leave this room, you'll realize that pursue it and do it um, on their own can't work, um, that we need to be able to renew it because we will fail. God does not give us the Holy Spirit once and then expect us to continue without any top-ups. Galatians 5, just before the the, um, portion that we just looked at, says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week. This present continuous imperative. It's not something that passively happens without our say-so. The control of the Holy Spirit is not suddenly, you know, you've seen these movies, haven't you, where someone's doing this great bit of acting and looks like someone else is controlling their body. It's not. God sends sunshine and rain on all humans, but this instruction, we need to allow it. It is for Christians, his children, to continually allow the Holy Spirit to rid us of sin, enable us to heal and grow, and when we fail, to allow the Holy Spirit to control us we can renew his control by turning back to him. Do you want the Holy Spirit's control in your life? Yeah. We're going to take a moment. I really hope that what I've said has convinced you that this is the best way. I really hope that these words will bless your spirit as you not only are willing to let the Holy Spirit control you but are hopeful that he can, that you can let him. This is not something super spiritual and weird, it is something that comes to every Christian. The Holy Spirit is in you. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. And I do believe that the desire of our heart this morning is to let the Holy Spirit control us. We delight in you, God. We want to pursue the control of the Holy Spirit. Be willing. We want to do it. We want to obey. We want to renew it. We want to turn back to you frequently, many times, every day. Amen.